0: Yowser. If you get sleepy, I want you to shout Yowser Yeah, 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 right. Or Cubs win! Cubs win. That would be a shot, wouldn't it? Cubs win. What a joke. Did you see that? Am I standing in the middle of that thing? Am I good? I'm covering up everything and it's good? Okay. Okay. Six signs that make you want Jesus to come now. I wish He would come now. But what are the six signs? I'm not sure. I know. Well, I do know. It's all in Matthew 24. If you turn your Bibles, you can turn there. But I always Google six signs when I start this message. And here's what I got: six signs. The re- recession is ending. Six signs. It's a job scam. Six signs of adaptive PHP. Anybody know what PHP is? What is it? Piled higher and deeper. No, no, that's not PHP. It's a computer. That's what I thought. I did Google PHP and I found out it was something like that and I moved right on. Yeah. Okay. Six signs he's lying. Six signs your doctor is an alien. Six signs your real estate agent is hurting you, not helping you. I understand that one. Uh, Six signs of a healthy dog. And the top six signs of an impending divorce. Hmm. And uh, there's young people back there that have Googled just now six signs. What are they? The latest six signs. You got that? Of what? Six signs you're a cult. Okay, another one? She's been cheating. Uh, uh, of alcoholhood? Poisoning. Okay. One more. You're in a healthy relationship. You ladies need to find that one out. Okay. Uh, that aliens might hit us. See, Forget the sermon. These guys are already on the, the Internet, and it's just hopeless up here, you know. But... You might as well just, let's see, let's Google something else. No, um, at any rate, there's another one. I, a page later, I discovered six signs of uh, the church decline, six signs of hope. You know, 85% of the churches in America are either plateaued or declining. Anybody know of any of those? But um, uh, that's also interesting, and it's interesting to see that there is hope for plateaued and declining churches, and we may get to that in a little bit. But, uh, you know, um, the six signs are in Matthew 24. We'll just skip right there to that if you have your Bibles. Can you put Matthew 24 up there? Probably not. No. But uh, this was uh, Jesus at the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, go to the next slide. This is what a picture of the temple looked like. Whoop. There it is, the temple on Jesus' day. Of course, they didn't have cameras to do this picture, but... This is what they've surmised from drawings from reading Josephus and other people that this is probably the way the temple looked when Jesus was there. As he was going away from the temple, his disciples called his attention to the buildings, and there were plenty of them. Yes, he said, You may well look at all these, but I tell you this not a single stone will be left in its place. Every one of them will be thrown down. Wowzer. That's what Jesus said. Not a stone will be left in this temple. It's all going to be thrown down. Next slide. And today, this is, that's not the, there it is. Okay. That's what the temple looks like today. Well, what's left of it? The Wailing Wall. This was taken in 1999 when we were there. And I don't know what it looks like today, actually, because that's 11 years ago. And uh, so things are probably a little more deteriorated now. This troubled the disciples. We're walking away from Jerusalem, from the temple. We're going through that valley up to the Mount of Olives. As it says in verse 3, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. And the disciples are scratching their head on the way to the Mount of Olives and they're saying, What does he mean by this? This is an awful thing that the temple is going to come down. We just can't handle this. This is something we can't understand. So they get up the top of the Mount of Olives and they say, oh, Tell us, when will all this be? And what will happen to show that it's the time of your coming and the end of the age? So what is going to happen here? And those are questions that have people have been asking Christians down through the years and wish they could ask Jesus. Three questions. What's going to, when's going to happen? Is this a sign of the end of the age and of your coming or the kingdom being established? Maybe Jesus would like to have asked three questions. Are those next? Oh, you got the text. Oh, good. So Jesus may have had some questions to ask of them, too. Let's do the next slide. I think he might have said, he would like to have said, he actually did say this as we go on in Matthew 24 and chapter 25. Can you assume that time is going to roll along in an unbroken process? The history must be viewed as eschatological, eschatological, eschatological. How do you pronounce that? The doctrine of the future. Uh, History is going to come to an end. There is going to be an eschatological happening one of these days because God is sovereign. He created the world. Man has defaced it. And God will bring history to a climax. And so we study eschatology and we wonder when this is going to happen. And so we're pondering that and we've got all sorts of theories about the future. People have been writing books for eons about what's going to happen in the future. But does this study stimulate our faith or does it make us just argue about what the future is going to look like and we just enjoy the argument? I don't know. I hope that we increase our faith. That's what Jesus would like to ask. If I tell you what's going to happen in the future, will that make you stronger in faith? Or will that just make you argue more among yourselves? And already the disciples have been arguing who was the greatest in the kingdom and all of that sort of thing. And thirdly, Jesus would like to have said, are you going to rely more on God than you'd rely on yourselves? You know, that's a question for our age. We preach self-reliance in America all through the world today, more so than ever before. We're the only ones that can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps And so we rely on ourselves. I mean, i got a car and I can go anywhere I want to in North America. Just get behind the wheel and drive. Or if I want to, I can fly in an airplane and go across the pond or something like that. Or I can get in a boat or whatever. And I can just do anything I want to do. Just don't get in my way. We are so reliant on who we are, where we want to go, and we want to do it individually. We don't want anybody else along. Unless it's our spouse or a city of another. And that's the way we are. And we can either be here or be somewhere else. Or while we're here, we're somewhere else. We are just our own person. Isn't it so grand and wonderful? We don't even have to depend on God, whoever he might be, in our view. Well then, that's what Jesus would like to ask the disciples. And so he says there are six things that are going to happen before he brings a climax to the end of the age. And begin in Matthew 24, and begin, verses 4 and 5, we have the first sign. And that you can go to the next slide. Oh, no more slides. Oh, okay, next one. Uh, oh, well, we'll read 4 and 5. Jesus answered, Watch out, and do not anyone fool you. Many men claiming to speak for me will come and say, I am the Messiah, and they will fool many people. So the first sign is false Christ. Is that up there now? Mm. Next, oh there's false Christ, false messiahs, and you know down through the ages, ever since the days of Jesus, we've had theodas, we've had uh, uh, all sorts of people prophesying for Moses and so on and so forth. After Jesus was crucified and resurrected, and the Romans came in and destroyed Jerusalem in seventy A.D. The Jews were looking for all kinds of messiahs. All sorts of people were resurrecting themselves and saying, we are the Christ, we're the ones. Jesus warns there's going to be lots of false messiahs that are going to come. That's the first sign. The second sign is going on down in verses 6 through 8. And we read there, You are going to hear the noise of battles close by and the news of battles far away, but do not be troubled. Such things must happen. But they do not mean the end has come. Countries will fight each other. Kingdoms will attack one another. There will be famines and earthquakes everywhere. All these things are like the first pains of childbirth. Second sign is the four horsemen of Revelation 6, you might say, because these passages do correspond to each other. And we've got those ugly horses there. Oh, that pale rider at the end brings death and destruction all over the world. We've had wars and rumors of wars. There's somebody's phone right there. We have uh, 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 Hitlers, we've had all sorts of things. We've had famines. Misplaced ideology brings starvation and famine. Plagues of suffering destroy health and lifestyle. Unpredictable and catastrophic natural disasters follow. Uh, Claiming life and property was abandoned. Hurricanes threaten our mainland six months out of the air. Yowzer! Was it time to say yowzer? Okay. Uh, What was that? One more time. Upwind. (laughs) (laughs) All Alright! Wake the preacher up. right. So we've had the four horsemen riding through history down through the ages. And you can read about those also in Revelation 6. And then the next sign is persecution and endurance. Verses nine through fourteen, and that is the third sign. And here is a picture of the Romans sacking Jerusalem, according to the way uh, No. Josephus uh, tried to tell about it. There, they then they he will they will you will be arrested and handed over to be punished to be put to death. Chapter twenty-four, verse nine. Everyone will hate you because of me. Many will give up their faith at that time. They will destroy, betray one another, hate one another. Then many false prophets will appear and fool many people. Such will be the spread of evil that many people's love will grow cold. But whosoever holds out to the end will be saved. And this good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout all the world for a witness to all people, and then the end will come. So this is the persecution and endurance that Christians have endured throughout the years in the church age. And we don't have to go into a whole lot of that except to know that the greatest thing that's going to happen is verse 14. So you want to flash that next one? You did? Alright. The three M's of Matthew 24, 14. This comes from, I believe, uh, uh, George Elton Lab. He's a guy that started this. He's got a whole chapter in one of his books about the three M's of Matthew 24, 14. We have the message, the Gospel of the Kingdom, We have the mission, preaching that gospel of the kingdom as a witness to all nations throughout the whole world. And then we have the motivation. If we do this, if we are successful in reaching the whole world as a witness of the gospel of the kingdom, then the end will come. That's our motivation. Do we want time to end so that the kingdom can be established? Yes. Are we doing the mission of spreading the message? That's up to you to answer. Maybe it's time for another yowzer, But Okay, the next sign, number four, is a Great Tribulation. And it says, uh, beginning at verse 15, You'll see the awful horror of which the prophet Daniel spoke. You'll be standing in the holy place. Note to the reader, understand what this means. Then those who are in Judea must run away to the hills. Someone who is on the roof of a house must not take the time to go down and get any belongings from the house. Someone who is in the field must not go back to get a cloak. How terrible it will be in those days for women who are pregnant and for mothers with little babies. Pray to God that you will not have to run away during the winter or on a Sabbath, for the trouble at that time will be far more terrible than any there has ever been from the beginning of the world to this very day. Nor will there be anything like it again. But God has already reduced the number of days, Hath He not done? Had He not done so, nobody would survive. For the sake of His chosen people, however, God will reduce the days. And in the Revelation chapters uh, of six through eighteen, we have this great tribulation uh, graphically displayed for us by the uh, apocalyptic writer, as it was given to him by Jesus. Calamities against God's elect have been detailed by Daniel. They had a specific fulfillment in 168 B.C. when Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the temple and sacked Jerusalem. In 70 A.D. there was another fulfillment, you might say, of this prophecy. And maybe we might even say there's a third fulfillment of this prophecy, an awful horror that's going to come one of these days in the end of the age. And, of course, there have been people who have written books and all sorts of things about when the tribulation happens. When does the coming of Christ happen in relation to the tribulation? Of course, if we read on later on in verse 29, we'll see that it's the end of the tribulation that Jesus comes. But that takes us to the fifth sign, and that's false second comings. In the false second comings, there's one of them, Sir Joel the Visionary Christ. There's one gentleman there, folks out of Russia. His name is Sergei, and he was an ex cop. They call him the Vareshian Christ. People have left their jobs and their families to live in this big old commute. They actually call him the Christ, and people are following this guy. Isn't that amazing? Boy, when the tribulation is in full swing, they're going to be grasping at everything. But let's read about it in Matthew 24 and verse 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, There he is. Do not believe it. For false messiahs, false prophets will appear. They will perform great miracles and wonders in order to deceive even God's chosen people if possible. Listen, I've told you this ahead of time. Or if people should tell you, look, he's out in the desert. Don't go there. Or if they say, look, he's hiding here. Don't believe it. For the Son of Man will come like lightning which flashes across the whole sky from the east to the west. Wherever there is a dead body, the vultures will gather. What an interesting metaphor that's at the end of this false second comings. So given the severity of the tribulation, God's people are going to be tempted to grasp on any glimmer of Christ's coming. Shysters of all stripes will take advantage of this tension, offering all types of schemes, Rumors of secret comings, special stagings of the event, and resistance movements of varying strengths will carry believers away. How can we avoid being carried away by false Christ? Jesus says His return is going to be swift and visual like lightning. Even as birds of prey gather around a carcass, so virtually the whole world will anxiously pick at the reaction of believers to see what's happening to them and how they act concerning their blessed hope in the face of this tribulation, this awful time that is coming on the world. You know, in Florida, where we live half the year, we know about vultures. They're turkey vultures. And any time an animal dies, is on the road, those vultures gather. They're big old blackbirds with huge wings, and they just gather around there, and they pick at that carcass, and they pick at that carcass, and they chew at that carcass, until it's all gone. And then it's consumed and moved away. We don't even have people who, claim, who clean highways. We just depend on the turkey vultures. And they're there. Nobody shoots them. You know, they're, they're great. Well, what are you going to make of all this? This is the most important thing. What are we going to do about this? And that takes us, we already went to, oh, the coming. I forgot the coming. Whoa, what's wrong? Bluey, you yeah. know. Yowzer. That's good. Soon after the rubble of all those days, the sun will grow dark, the moon will no longer shine, the stars will fall from heaven, the powers in space will be driven from their courses, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the peoples of earth will weep as they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The great trumpet will sound, and he will send out his angels to the four corners of the earth, and they will gather his chosen people from one end of the world to the other. I know some of your versions say from the heavens, but this one says from one end of the earth to the other, which I think is kind of an interesting rendering. I'm not sure how it agrees with the real Greek, but I like it. So finally, the Messiah comes. The sign of His coming will have such impact that all peoples will, will, will give a great lament. The angels will sound the trumpet, and the resurrection of the faithful will take place and the gathering of those who have been raised to meet the Lord in the air from all over the world will take place. And the second coming will be here. So what do we do about this? Next slide. What are we going to do? Well, I'm not sure, but I am sure we need to do something. In Matthew 24 and the rest of the chapter and all of chapter 25, the more, more important things Jesus talks about. He says, he gives several stories. He says, like the fig tree begins to leaf, you know that summer is coming so, you know that the time is coming. Like in Noah's day, the daily routines were suddenly halted. And the rains came, and the floods came. And Noah was saved, and everybody else died. You know, when chore time has suddenly stopped, you go out to get the cattle, you go out to get the, uh, uh, you know, the, the harvest of wheat and so forth, suddenly chore time stops. One guy is out there, the other guy leaves. They don't know what they're doing because chore time has time stopped. It's like a thief when a master comes without warning and the, and the thief is caught. And suddenly, all this stuff happens. It's like half the wedding party in chapter 25 when the bridegroom is announced. They're not prepared. They have to go get some more oil for their lambs. So what about us in this day and age? Does belief in the second coming do anything for us? Are we doing anything about what we believe? Are we changing our lives? Does this belief resonate with us? For too long, I think we've been self-reliant. There is reasoning that God didn't send Jesus during the Hitler thing. No Savior appeared to rescue countless others facing deep deep vibrations around the globe. Why should He send Jesus in our lifetime? What are we talking about? Are we talking about this with our neighbor, our acquaintances at work, people we hang around with? What will make it possible... For more people to be in God's kingdom because we've done something. What will it take from us? Does urgency really grab us? Like the leaf's, uh, leafing, like the figs leafing, and the unprepared in Noah's day, the workers taken and left, the, the break in of the thief. Stories like this should confront us with our need. We need to get ready. We need to always be prepared. Avoid being surprised because now, is the time. When's the last time you spoke to someone about the Lord you're close with outside these four walls? Considering the times in our lives and our frailties, will we get another chance? Well, there are six signs of hope. Have we got the six signs of hope yet? Yes, six signs of hope. And uh, we need to be uh, ready to admit our past mistakes. I think for too long we've been a little, tiny, insignificant subculture called the Church of God, General Conference, Abrahamic Faith, whatever you want to term yourself. And we need to realize that we need to change the picture of who we are. We need to realize that we are not just ordinary folks and uh, we, we have no hope. We need to change the way we do things. We need to change the way we look at methods. We need to change the way we look at people in the world and what they look like and where they're coming from. That's the first sign of hope when we realize that we need to change. The second sign is we need to be willing to make that change. New challenges face us every day. Something is changing all the time and we need to change to meet those needs. And then we need to have more emphasis in our pulpits of course and I think our young preachers are doing this. They're calling their congregations to surrender to count the cost, to make determinations of discipleship costing something. And they're willing to give that cost. And the, the, the next sign, the fourth sign, is generations are not cooperating. We're, we need to realize that the young people are coming on and they're taking charge, and that's great. And it's okay for us youngsters to step aside and let them move in alongside us as we together labor in the Lord's vineyard. And and the fifth sign of hope is that churches are now turning to consultants to help in every, every area of church operation, from staffing to conflict resolution to vision planning. Consultants are being hired to help local churches to see where they can go and what they can do to reach new people. And the sixth sign of hope is, well, media. You know, we're having media and technology and all sorts of things like that. I'm even on Facebook. What in the world is that all about? And sometimes I get on Twitter, but I haven't tweeted in a long time. But uh, Facebook is pretty interesting. And I like to see the pictures that people post on their Facebooks and so forth. But that's another way that reach out uh, to spread the gospel of the kingdom. The last slide is probably the most important slide of all. I want you to choose one of these things sometime this week and take it home with you this next week. I want you to choose one of these three things to do with this hope that we have in Christ. First of all, rid your life of sinful ways. Is that the thing you need to do? Secondly, change your attitude. Exude hope. Meet someone and someone's need in the new week as you go home from here. Is there somebody that's close to you that has a special need? Go out of your way to meet that need, and then you've earned the right to communicate more. Or share your faith just to one person this next week. Just share your faith. Just say to somebody, I really believe, and this is how life is going to change for you and for me. God bless you as you choose one of those three.